This week's episode is sponsored by Spaces. Spaces is a new platform backed by 15 plus years of educator feedback designed to document the process and progress behind student learning in your classroom. Join the Spaces community to connect with educators across North America and gain access to free teacher-created resources, help educators who are just starting out on their journey, and learn new things from teachers who have been there before. So visit community.spacesedu.com today. Uh, is this the teacher hotline? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Teacher Hotline. My name is Ronald Hay, where we try to answer some of the most pressing questions for teachers in and outside of the classroom. Today, our caller comes from Laura from the Duran Catholic District School Board. Laura, what can we do for you today? Hey, Ron. I'm a high school science teacher, and I actually get the pleasure of training a student teacher this year. It's my first time doing this job, so I'm taking it seriously. I know how influential an associate teacher can have on student teachers, and it usually makes or breaks the practicum experience. I was wondering if you have any guests who have experienced training teachers. What have they done to help train their student teachers? What worked? What didn't? Thanks. Thank you so much, Laura, for calling in. I'm actually going through the process right now of learning how to be an awesome associate teacher for the first time. So I'm totally game to learn alongside with you. So today I bring in my associate teacher all the way from March of 2012, Mr. Paul Kralik. Paul currently teaches in the Toronto District School Board at Northern Secondary, teaching accounting, financial securities, and grade nine business. He's been teaching for 15 years, and over that span, he has trained 20 student teachers. I met Paul back in 2012 as his student teacher at Northern Secondary, a school in Toronto, and had the pleasure of training under him, teaching accounting and business leadership. Paul got his B.Ed. from the University of Toronto and his M.B.A. from the Schulich School of Business at York University. Paul, it has been such a long time. Absolute pleasure to have you on. How are you doing today, my man? Thanks for having me on, Ron. This is awesome. It has been a long time. I'm doing great. And uh, glad to hear your voice and uh, really happy to participate. Paul, we got so many questions. Uh, you know, it's so funny thinking about my time being your student teacher about almost 10 years now. And here I am coming back to you seeking for advice on how to become a good associate teacher. So for those teachers out there that are new to the whole job, I, I should ask you, what type of associate teacher did you want to be when you first started? Uh, having this responsibility under your belt? Well, I actually wasn't quite sure how I wanted to um, undertake this initiative. Um, But I knew from my own experience um, with my associate teacher that I wanted to be supportive because he was with me. I wanted to be flexible. I saw that as important. And I wanted foremost to be inspiring. I wanted to instill confidence Uh, Because that's really an experience of being in a classroom for the first time 
is so, so challenging. And with my associate teacher, I know that he inspired me and gave me that confidence. And I recall actually after the first lesson that I taught, he would sit at the back and he would take notes. And after the class, we would chat about what went on. And he said to me, Paul, you're a natural teacher. And that just blew me away. I just gave, gave me that sense of confidence that carried me forward for the rest of the practicum. So I knew that was really critical. You know, it's funny how you could be 14 years old or, you know, you could be in your mid twenties. Um, it, it's funny that, you know, as a student, a lot of times all you're looking for is, is confidence or someone that believes in you. And that comment that your associate teacher said to you about being a natural, clearly it's stuck with you over the years. So I think as teachers now, I think that's important for us to, to remember that, you know, sometimes these just these powerful words really stick with students uh, for, for a long, long time. So that's awesome that you had an awesome uh, associate teacher. I did. And I'm still in touch with him, actually. We, had, we developed a pretty good friendship. And uh, I attribute a lot of my, um, my enjoyment that I received from the profession to him because he set me on the right path. So you've trained a lot of teachers over the years. Is that something that you volunteer for? Or like, how does the logistics of that work? Does your principal just come up to you one day and say, all right, Paul, uh, listen, uh, buddy, we're going to need you to take on these student teachers. Uh, how does that actually work? So it's actually a voluntary role. You have to, you have to in- indicate your interest. And the faculties of education, whether it be at York University or OISE or even south of the border, I've had a student uh, from a, a, a faculty in uh, Buffalo, they are looking for associate teachers. So they will reach out to your school, hopefully. And at that point, the principal or their secretary will will basically solicit the staff and find out who and which subject areas they have volunteers for. So you indicate your preference for accepting a, a student teacher, and they will then get back to those faculties of education and sort of do a little matchmaking and uh, find somebody who, who is interested in your subject area. Wow. So the fact that you've trained 20 student teachers mm-hmm. means that you kept putting up your hands at least 20 times to want to keep doing the role over and over again, correct? Yeah. And you know, it's funny because the, I think the more you do it, um, the, the, the coordinators at the faculties of education, as I said, are looking for associate teachers. And if you've had good experience, if the students have had good experiences and you provided that, they'll come back to you. They'll actually reach out to the school or you directly sometimes and say, hey, Ron, you were great last year. We want another placement for this particular student. And are you willing to take on another one? So you kind of develop a bit of a reputation with the faculties and they, they're trying to find those placements. So they're happy to have uh, repeat customers, so to speak. Right. Do you remember who your first ever student teacher was and what that experience was still like? <laughs> I do. It was, I'll tell you, it was an interesting story. So I had started teaching in 2007 at Northern Secondary School in Toronto. So I was uh, two months into the job, and you, I'm sure you remember what it was like. It's pretty chaotic, your first uh, few weeks and months on the job. And they were trying to find an associate teacher for a business course, uh, a student who was taking business, and they couldn't find one. And so I got asked if I was willing to take on a student teacher. So literally, I'm two months into the job, trying to figure it out myself. And they said, would you take one on? And so I said, you know what? At first I was hesitant. And then I 
sort of thought to myself, listen, I've got a lot to offer here because I'm going through the process of learning myself. So I said, sure. So I put up my hand. I said, I'll take one. That's fine. We'll see how it goes. Now, I obviously I warned them and said, I'm not an expert. This is all. <laughs> I don't even know where the bathroom is right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So what happened is we, we talked the the student teacher and I talked and I said, look, you know, I'm new to this. I'm figuring it out as I go along. Um, so tell me if this works, we're going to learn together. We're both going to be going through this process together and we'll just kind of go through it and, and see how, how we can get through this as a team. And he was willing to do that luckily for me and for him. And, and it was a blast. We, we got, uh, we got, we made a lot of mistakes, but we got a lot of good learning out of it. And we learned side by side and it was really a a valuable experience for both of us. Paul, that's, um, I, I loved that story. Uh, first off, I love the the honesty there too with your student teacher because I think a lot of times, you know, there's that pride or that ego or like, oh, I don't want to look stupid. And uh, but you kind of just said out right, like, listen, like I'm I'm brand new to this and let, let's learn together. And um, I think whether you're again you're 14 or you're in your 30s or 40s, I think it's always, I think the best move to always admit when you don't know something. Um, and to say, hey, listen, let's learn together. Uh, I think that's such a powerful thing to say. And probably an amazing experience for you and the student teacher at the same time. So what a great story. Totally right. And Ron, I'll tell you, my last student teacher, which was last year, I basically said the exact same thing. I said, look, I'm still <laughs> learning. I'm st- I didn't say I was new, but I said, I'm still learning and we're going to learn together. And that has kept this, uh, this, this experience going and it seems to work. And I'm being honest when I say it to them. And 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 it's totally true, as you said. We we should never feel that we know everything, and I think that's an important part of that that dynamic and that relationship with with right. teachers. Well, you're right. We're in the field of education, right? So it's only fitting that as teachers, we're always learning as well. Heck, I'm learning right now and trying to pick your brain on how to be an awesome associate teacher. And uh, you know, I'm sure it's one of those things that you never really figure out because there's just so much to learn about this role on its own. Uh, so. My, my question for you then is, what has been your approach with training teachers? Do you have like a, a philosophy or kind of just a way about how you do your job? Well, it's an interesting question. Um, everybody's different. We're, I mean, you take 100 teachers and you're going to find 100 different teaching styles. And um, I've seen enough teachers to know that um, it's important to give a student teacher the reins as soon as possible. I've always felt that sort of protecting them from embarrassment or from pushing them in front of the class too soon, you know, that doesn't help anybody in the end because you've only got four weeks and you, a student teacher isn't going to learn by watching you because as we've already mentioned, we're not the experts and everyone is different and there's not a, there's not a template for how to teach. So I like to get students in front of the class as soon as possible, you know, assuming they're comfortable and they need that time, I think, to build rapport and a relationship with the class. And, you know, students struggle with change, right? The the routines get changed around when someone else comes in front of the class, the evaluation styles are different. And so there's a phase of rejection and resisting the student teacher's uh, efforts. And I think that gradually that will fade away over the course of, say, a week or two weeks, and that acceptance will happen. 
And so that by the end of the placement, the students actually usually bond with that teacher and they're quite comfortable with the new routines. And it's important, I think, to recognize that as an associate teacher to, to let go of those, give them the reins and let go of that control earlier rather than later. I'd also say that um, I like to blend in with the class. So as an associate teacher, you're in the background. Um, you're taking notes, you're sort of observing, you're the, you're the third eye in the back of the classroom to kind of watch out for things. But I think it's important to not be too um, obvious that you're in the class. You're changing the dynamic because you're in there. And you want to be in the background and not um, interject and interrupt the process. Because I'll tell you, as I, when I was a student teacher, I was thrilled when my associate teacher would leave the room for a little while. And there was a time when we were allowed to do that as an associate teacher. Now things have changed for liability reasons. We're not supposed to leave the room. But as much as possible, you need to be invisible so that that student teacher feels that this is their class, that they have um, this rapport that they're building and that you're not there to interject and interrupt and to correct things because they're being judged and they, they, they don't function. Nobody functions well when they're being judged, right? At least in my mind, I, I, I want to sort of build that rapport myself. So I recognize that as much as possible, sort of being in the background and not trying to blend in and not interrupt their, their flow. I think that's important. And afterwards, we uh, an important part of this process is we sit and discuss how things went. And we do it at the end of a class and at the end of a week. And I like to ask for their assessment. And you might remember this, Ron, when, when you were my student teacher, you were, you were awesome. And we would sit down and we would talk. And I would always put it back to you and to the other student teachers how did you feel it went? I'd ask them, what did you notice went uh, a little bit awry that maybe could have been done better? Because I think that sort of self-reflection is important. And, you know, going back to what we talked about, I'm not the expert and I want you as the student teacher to recognize what's going on and to take ownership for your own practice, for your own professionalism and find ways of looking at yourself so that you can go off into your profession and, and continue that process. I'm not going to be there. Associate teachers leave you, and that's the end of it. But they have to become their own associate teacher in a lot of ways throughout their whole career. Wow, that's deep, Paul. That's really deep. Paul, you said two things there that really stood out. I, I want to dig a little bit further into. You talked about you know trying to be less controlling and just be accepting like, listen, this is your classroom now for the next month. And you also talked about feedback and reflection. So I want to go to the the control piece. You know, as a, as a new teacher or a new associate teacher, I would imagine that giving the keys over, quote unquote, or the reins over to a student teacher who will be there for, let's say, a month can be a little bit nerve wracking, right? Like, like this is still your course at the end. These are still your students. These student teachers are only going to be there for a month. And to kind of hand over the reins of control to a student teacher and have you step out, I would imagine is could be uncomfortable for some people for doing it for the very first time. Like for instance, you know, for a course like you, like teaching accounting, I know very firsthand that accounting is a very technical course. Right. And for an untrained teacher or lack of experience teaching that for the first time, I remember under your, even your course, that wasn't easy. Like it's, it's not easy teaching that material. 
And there could be a possibility where those student teachers, you know, for lack of a better word, just don't do a good job at it. And you're, now your students are sitting there like, oh, like, I need to know this for the exam or upcoming tests. And now I've been unprepared. How do you deal with that like balance of training your student teacher, but also making sure that your students, they get the best quality education and are prepared for any future assessments that you have them ready for? Yeah, that's a tough part of it. Um, it's never going to be the same as what you delivered. It's going to be there's going to be probably some gap that that you think needs to be addressed. So part of that is, I think letting the student teacher make mistakes. We all make mistakes, and that's part of any profession. Um, and I think it's really important to let them let them make some of those mistakes so that you can then address it after the fact. And if there's no way to address it, if there's a gap in in the knowledge, or if there's something that was that was missed that's critical to an evaluation later on, then you can address that after the student teacher has left. And I've had to do that. I've had, unfortunately, some bad experiences where there's been significant chunks of curriculum that haven't been covered because they ran out of time and timing is a big part of teaching. And I've had to go back and cover those off because it was critical to, to delivering that, uh, you know, the expectations of the course. So it's a fine balance and it's never, I don't think there's one way for me to answer that question because it really depends on the situation, but it's important as an associate teacher to acknowledge that there's going to be times when the student teacher messes up, quite frankly, and you're going to have to pick up the pieces after the fact. Now, hopefully you can avoid the big mess ups and deal with them in the moment or the next day or the next week. But as you said, in four weeks, things happen. And sometimes sometimes you just got to pick up the pieces after they've left. What's your philosophy around interjecting a lesson if a student teacher, let's say, teaches a concept incorrectly? Again, using accounting, since we both teach it, right? You could be sitting in the back of the classroom mm-hmm. um, and they just completely, I don't know, just flub a lesson completely. They're just talking out of their butts and like you're like, oh, this is not correct at all. <laughs> do you feel the need to interject in those moments or do you kind of just let them go with it and then pull them aside afterwards and say, hey, by the way, that was not even close. <laughs> hard. Yeah. You're biting your tongue sometimes and thinking, yeah. oh God, that's not right. Um, my philosophy is to let them make that mistake and correct. You can always fix it the next day. You can always clarify something. And interjecting um, I think that's when you start undermining the confidence of the, of the student teacher and suddenly they are feeling like they're being judged again. And now, you know, even the students are picking up on maybe the competency of this student teacher isn't there. And now they're questioning whether or not this is going to affect their grades on, on an evaluation. And I think it does more harm than good to interject yourself in the lesson. Now, obviously there's certain situations where it's necessary to, if there's a something to do with safety of students or, uh, you know, an incident that's happening that um, could be problematic on a school level, um, you have to sort of make that call at the time. But if it's just curriculum based, we can always go back in time. I, I mean, even in my own practice, I, I screw something up and I have to go back the next day. Hey kids, I, uh, you know what, I'm not perfect. I made a mistake. I've got to teach that lesson again. There's a part that I, I misled you or I said something incorrect. So I think it's important to let the student teacher make those mistakes. That's so funny you say that. Literally, <laughs> my last class, my last lesson on Friday, 
um, I taught a lesson in accounting on inventory and I was teaching. I was like, oh, this doesn't sound right at all. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I did this wrong, guys. I'm like, I'm gonna have to redo this again. And all the students like nodding their head. They're like, yeah, we don't know what happened. <laughs> so you're right. <laughs> that happens very, very often. So my, my other question then for you is about feedback. Right. How often do you like to give feedback? Is it after every class, every day, every week? Uh, what's your philosophy around feedback? How often and uh, what do you, how do you approach giving feedback? Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I like giving feedback early on. So my first associate teacher gave me feedback at the end of each lesson. And I found that valuable so that I can correct and make adjustments early enough on so that tomorrow I can, you know, address those issues. And then as the student teacher gains some momentum and some confidence, it's important, I think, to step back and not give quite as much feedback because that can be overwhelming as well for them. They can only take on so much at a time. I mean, they're juggling like uh, 10 balls are in the air and to throw too much at them is also problematic. So I, I think early on, some constructive feedback, which is critical, some timing that is not in the moment. It's, it's when we have time in private where we can reflect and get some feedback from the person themselves is important. And then after the first week or so, I usually back off and it's, it's every couple of days or even at the end of a week. If somebody's doing a fantastic job, better than me, I'm happy to sit back and let the week go by and say at the end of the week, all right, let's evaluate what happened. I made a couple notes. Let's talk about it. Right. I do remember that actually vividly. Everything that you're describing is exactly my experience with you. I remember sitting down, you know, pretty much every day, the first week or so, just making sure that my my bearings were straight. And I remember towards the end, I felt to, to what you were trying to accomplish, giving me that sense of control of that class. Like this was my classroom for the month. And I felt that because of the way you were able to manage me. Um, and you're right. Like, it could be very overwhelming with so much information. So it's almost know when to scale back feedback as well, I think is also important. And I thought you did a great job with balancing that. Well, thank you. But you were, you were very easy to have as a, as a student teacher, you were very competent and from right from the get go, you looked so comfortable in front of the classroom and smiling and uh, making strong connections, learning the kids' names Uh, it made my job a lot easier and I could sit back and say, take it away, Mr. Hay. He was the guy that was going to take us through that whole month with it. Oh, that means a lot, Paul. That means a lot uh, coming that from you. So so my my follow-up question to that then is, have you ever found it difficult to give constructive or feedback that you're like, eh, this is going to be tough to tell, you know, could be an ego bruise to to someone? Yeah, um, I I think... Part of the the worst case scenario is having a student teacher who either thinks they know everything because then they're not receptive to any feedback or literally knows nothing coming, <laughs> coming unprepared and not having a clue how a classroom works. And we can manage as associate teachers, we can manage everything in between there, but it's very difficult on those extremes. And so, um, you know, some people are more receptive to feedback just by human nature and other people want lots of feedback and reassurances. So it really depends on the personality of the of the teacher candidate. And I think it's important to recognize what kind of person they are and to maybe lay some ground rules up front to say, how often do you want me to give you feedback? And let you let me know if you need more or less. And I think that's part of the, the negotiation of establishing the working arrangements and that makes everybody a lot more comfortable. Yeah. Have you ever had any experiences where you dealt with some 
difficult student teachers where you kind of had to have some of those tougher conversations and and how did you manage uh, I guess that next month because a month is it's a lot but also not a lot of time at the same time so how did you manage that time with the, those students yeah I had a student teacher um, this is going back a few years now who um, was completely unprepared each each day they had no concept of what they were going to deliver would show up in the morning and say, all right, Mr. Kralik, what's next? What do we do next? Wow. And this was their second practicum. So there's two, usually two, now there's three, I believe under the two-year program. But at that time there was two, this was his second practicum. And it was shocking to me that he wasn't prepared and it, it came off in the classroom that he wasn't prepared and it was a bit chaotic and things got missed and there was really no structure to the lessons. And in fact, I recall this so specifically now, and I still can't believe it happened, <laughs> but um, he was teaching half of my timetable in the first week and the other half of the timetable, the expectation was he'd be in my office preparing for his next lesson for the next day. So I let him go back to the office and, and work on what he needed to work on. And uh, I'm in the class teaching my other my other course. And I said, oh, gee, I forgot something. So I asked one of my students to go down to, to my office and, uh, you know, tell the student teacher to hand me that textbook or whatever it was. So he came back and he says, Mr. Kralik, the student teacher was in there sleeping. <laughs> what? Sleeping. <laughs> laying on the desk, sleeping. I had to wake him up and I couldn't believe it. And you know, there's, there's times like that that are bound. I guess when you have 20 student teachers, you're bound to have a couple of bad apples, right? And I have to have a conversation to say, look, I mean, you're a professional here. You've, you've got to do, you know, the work. And so it got to a point, Ron, I'm, I'm not kidding you, where it, it was all clear to me that this person was not ready to be a teacher. And so as an associate teacher, one of the things that you have as a fallback is to contact their, their supervisor, uh, their professor at, at the college. And there is one part of the, uh, of the four weeks where the professor will come in and observe. Yeah. I remember that. And that's where you get an opportunity to say, Hey, this, there's a problem here and I, I can't deal with it. Um, you need to be aware of this. And, and in this case, the professor pulled him aside and said, look, you know, there's some professionalism here that's not being met and you need to pull up your socks or you're not going to pass this practicum because there is a pass right. fail at the end of it. Right. I remember because you have to write like a report at the end about their competency yeah. and all that stuff. Right. So, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's crazy. Paul, I, I thought you weren't going to bring up that story between you and I like. <laughs> I thought that was between you and me, my man. Like you didn't have to out me like oh, that. Sorry, Ron. Yeah, sorry, but <laughs> I was tired that day. You won't believe it. I was up all night. That was the opposite of Mr. Hay. That, that, <laughs> that definitely not you. Um, you know, most people on the surface, it looks like being an associate teacher seems like a very cushy job, especially if you have a, a good student teacher, right? Like they come in, they teach the classes, they they do the prep. They, they do the marking. It almost seems like you have a, a, a TA for, for the month. So can you give some light to teachers out there that may have not had this experience yet? What type of work goes behind the scenes for you during that month? What type of responsibilities do you have? Well, there's, um, there is the assessment of, of the performance of that student teacher. So there's, there's a midpoint uh, assessment. 
where there's some initial comments about how they're doing on very structured things that the faculty needs to know about. And so they'll have a template for you to complete. And then there's the final assessment, which is a little more involved. It's, it, it could be seen as onerous by some people. Uh, you know, it might take you anywhere from an hour to two hours, depending on how much you need to, to discuss, to put that into a report and then sit down and, and go over it with the student teacher. And they have to accept that this is, you know, uh, your evaluation of them. Um, so there's a little bit of paperwork there. Um, other than that, there other there's really not too much beyond that, to be quite honest with you. There's... Um, Initially, it's just bringing them along to, to staff meetings and making sure that they're connecting. Sometimes they want you to have a connection as a student teacher with other student teachers in the building. So that would be my right. job as an associate teacher to introduce them and to allow them to network. And that's good for them, right? Because they need to build uh, relationships with each other so that they can also learn from each other. So if you've got one student teacher in an English department, another one in science and another in business, it's great if they can connect and, and have their time together. So I would play a role in facilitating those introductions and making sure that they know each other and are there to support each other. I can't remember now because it's been so long. Is there an expectation for student teachers to partake um, or even if they're just in just have a general interest in participating in like after school co-curriculars, like coach a basketball team and you have to be, I guess, a part of that? Uh, or is that, because I, I don't remember that happening at your school, uh, but is that a thing? It's um, it's not a requirement. However, I would say that um, it's important. It's an important experience for the student teacher to be involved in something outside of the classroom. And that's part of the evaluation, actually, is what else did they do beyond that? So I've had student teachers who take on the investment club, for example. and, and we'll, Yeah, I do vaguely remember that now. Yeah, yeah. Or if they're interested in a sport, they can participate and help out in some after-school sports. Um, so that it's, not, it's definitely not a requirement, but it is, it is good for them to get involved. And that's one of the early discussions that you should have with them is what are your interests and what would you like to do outside of the classroom, if, if anything. And most of them I found will, would always like to step up and do something because they know that's part of the evaluation. And it, and it you know, gets them to a different comfort level as well to do something different. Right. Paul, I'm looking at the time. Uh, I think we need to wrap up now. So a couple of follow-up questions here. Paul, this is a, an amazing opportunity to give back when you become an associate teacher to the teaching community. What are some of the best parts of being an associate teacher and perhaps some of the not so good parts of being an associate teacher? So you really get the opportunity to observe how your class responds to different routines. And I think you learn new and unique ways of doing things that come from the faculty of education, maybe things you hadn't thought about. And I remember how eager my students were to solve your word puzzles at the beginning of each class. Can't remember the name of it. Yet. Oh my God, I remember doing that. Yeah. And that students love doing that. And that was sort of a light bulb moment for me. And I got that opportunity because you were there to sort of think about my own teaching practices. I had another student teacher that played music when students were coming to class and it had never really occurred to me to do something like this. So you have time to reflect on your own teaching practice uh, in a way that's different from just going back to your office and thinking about what you're doing because you're sitting in the back of the classroom. There's something different about that experience as you're watching someone else teach. And, and ultimately it sort of reminds you of sort of the need to constantly evolve because we're in a, occupation that changes and we have to change along with it and adapt. 
And uh, I think one of the best parts is to be humble. And this opportunity of watching somebody else with your class gives you that opportunity to sort of question how you do things as well, which is sort of a hidden secret bonus, if you want to call it that, of being an associate teacher is, yeah, you've got a little bit of free time, but you should be thinking about your own practice and reflecting. Right. That's incredible. Uh, Paul, my final question for you then is, what is your advice to teachers out there on how to become an effective associate teacher for teachers that are doing this for the first time? Excellent question. So I would say you have to be yourself. If you think that you are the best teacher and that your way is the right way, then you probably should not be taking on a student teacher. Uh, I think it's also important to be supportive. Your job is to really build up the confidence. We talked about how important it is to build confidence in those new student teachers. Um, And so you, you really need to focus on the things that they're doing well and get them to identify areas that they can do better on their own, because that's part of a reflective professional. And I'd say lastly, uh, don't ever forget that you were a student teacher once too. And that may have been a long time ago, but the profession is really a journey. And we're all a work in progress, right? Let's be honest. So just like with your students, you provide constructive feedback, um, careful with criticism. Criticism is never a great w- whether it's a student or a student teacher, criticism is not the right way to go about it. And really giving them the tools to be reflective is how I feel it's, it's, it's really about making a difference by looking at their own practice because we're in this profession uh, for a long time and, and we have to all be accountable for us, uh, for our own ability to adapt to change. And at the end of the day, I have a saying, encouragement goes a long way. Wow. That is a perfect way, I think, to end this episode, Paul. Paul, it has been an absolute pleasure. This is this episode has given me so much nostalgia and a throwback to when I was in your class uh, about nine years ago now. And uh, this has been an absolute pleasure catching up with you today. Ron, you're going to be an amazing associate teacher. And it's been a true pleasure being a part of this. Thank you so much, Paul. We're going to have to grab a beer sometime to, to catch up in person. Uh, so, Paul, thank you so much. And best of luck with the rest of the year, my man. Thanks. You as well. And thank you so much to the rest of the audience. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Teacher Hotline. If you are enjoying this content, feel free to follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. And of course, don't forget to click that subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, Google, and any other podcast streaming services. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next Monday.